Hello, Hellcats. Welcome back to Ew, That's Creepy podcast. Today, Jackie is going to continue and conclude the story of Marlene Oaks. Marlene was a Kentucky mother who disappeared after making a sickening discovery about her husband. As her children grow up, they begin to do their own investigating in hopes of bringing their mother justice. Please be aware that this episode will discuss child abuse, sexual assault, murder, and dismemberment. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ooh, That's Creepy podcast. Today, we are here with another episode continuing the story of Marlene Oaks. If you guys didn't hear it last week, Melissa began telling us the story of Marlene Oaks and so far her very, very sad disappearance. Yes, and her sketchy ass husband. What is up with him? We don't like him. No, we don't, because no matter, well, we won't give any spoilers. I'm sure it's pretty obvious where this story is going, but at this point, no matter what, he is still abusive towards their kids and towards her, so we don't like you, Mr. Bill. There are some things that are forgivable in this world, but I don't think abusing a child is one of them. No, unforgivable. Unforgivable sin. (laughs) Yeah, so we're just going to continue the story, so we will just jump right on in. I'll just quickly summarize where we left off. Last time I left off with, unfortunately, Marlene disappeared and the police learned that Bill had been lying about some things. Her boyfriend, George, wasn't lying about anything, was pretty straightforward with police. Bill sold all of the family's belongings and moved to a sketchy town in Rhode Island with his kids. And got remarried within less than a year of Marlene disappearing. Hasn't even been found yet. Yeah. Not sketchy at all. Nope. Not sketchy behavior. So that's my really quick summary. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just jump right back into it. Uh, When he moved with the kids, the police weren't just going to give up or, like, let him go. They obviously had the diaries that St. Hilaire had given them before they went to Rhode Island, but they must not have really dove into the diaries until Bill and the kids were gone, because when they read them and they read all of the disgusting details that the diaries discussed about, you know, the abuse that had been going on with the children, the police went to interview Don, Donald, the son, But they interviewed him in Rhode Island, so that just makes me think that by the time. Which, that might also just show how quickly he moved. Because they basically read the diaries and Bill and the kids were already gone. I think it's a mix of both, because when they asked him to take the polygraph test, it was like, I think within that week, he sold his stuff and moved. So I don't even think they had time to ask the children by the time he pulled them all out of town and left. Which I'm sure was Bill's intention. Yeah. But the police did make the trip up to Rhode Island to question Marlene's son. 
and he's still pretty young at this point, and I'm sure he's also very scared just by the abuse that's occurring, and now his mom was missing, so he really didn't say a whole lot. I don't believe he said anything about the abuse occurring, but the police could just tell, like, he was scared, but he didn't say anything. And Bill did find out that Donald had been talking to the police. And Bill actually beat Donald and accused him of saying things that would be incriminating to the police. Sadly, the abuse did continue in Rhode Island. I'm not sure if it was just sexual abuse or physical abuse, but by the fact that he beat Donald, I believe it would probably be physical abuse as well. But regardless... Which is so sad that he beat Donald because, first of he all, he didn't even say anything. He's Never a mind. child, and the police yeah. are questioning him. Literally, what did you want him to say? And he said nothing to begin with. Like, and um, if you weren't disgusting, they wouldn't be questioning him. He seems like the type of person who just uses his family to take out his rage. Uh, yeah, definitely that type. People also said that Bill would bring the kids to work with him, and he would just abuse them like at work can someone step in i know right i mean it's still like the ninth in literally 1980 but what the hell i don't think okay but child abuse should not be accepted in any year i understand spanking and stuff like that was more common but if they're using the word abuse and you're bringing the kids and doing that at work you could at least say this looks bad for the business you need to stop yeah that's for sure so not sure what exactly was going on with that much but (sighs) He's so disgusting. Yeah. On November 29th, 1981, a hunter was walking around the forest and he stumbled across a skull. Where? In Kentucky? It, yeah. It was actually... Well, I was going to get to that. But Sorry. Since you asked. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It was actually on a property, the neighboring property to Bill Major's property. <gasps> Yeah. There was like a farm. The neighboring property was a farm and that is where the skull was found. It appeared to have been severed from the body. Like it didn't look like it had just, I don't know, like it was natural, you know, it looked like it had been dismembered. And there was also a bullet wound on the skull. And police could also tell that the jaw had been removed and there were no teeth. (gasps) So, it, whoever had done this had clearly dismembered the body and taken their time and, like, knew what they were doing. They Ew. had a plan if they took the teeth. Hmm. Bill talked about doing that, and it's near a property that he was very close to. That's not coincidental at all. Yeah, and he actually, it's not even that he was close to the property. He was familiar with it because he had worked on that farm a couple of times. Wow. So, pretty obvious. Sadly, though, it is 1980, and the police were unable to figure out the victim's identity because it did not have the teeth, and they were able to determine that the skull belonged to a white female who was about 30 years old, but that was, like, all they could really tell. I mean, they could tell that she had died from multiple gunshot wounds, but they just didn't have the type of DNA testing that they have today. And they said that, well, they did have DNA testing back then, but they said that the bones were too deteriorated to get, like, a good sample. 
And so they just couldn't, at that point, do anything with it. And it was just the skull. There wasn't yeah. any other evidence. Yeah, and they did go and check around the area, and they didn't find any other evidence around where the skull had been found. Damn. Obviously, they suspected that it was Marlene. Like, they're not dumb. They know. And it's only, that was only a year after she disappeared, so they're kind of like, hmm. But they don't really have any way to tie it to Marlene at this point because in 1980 the way that they identified skulls and skeletal remains was mostly by dental records so they were kind of SOL at this point which really sucks that's gonna be one of those where you play the waiting game and you wait until new technology 20 years down the road and it's horrible but it seems like what else can they do I know which really sucks But then, this is, like, so random, but I kind of understand when people want to save their pet's DNA to, like, get cloned. Like, you really don't know what technology can happen. That was so... I know, though, but because, like, you think, like, I bet back then they never thought that DNA would be what it is today. Like, it's, like, DNA is not, is, like... No, you're the simple part of the case nowadays. You're a hundred percent right. And it's like, you know, 1980 was just 30 years ago or so. Well, no, 40 years ago or so. And we've had so many advancements in DNA. So you're right. I just wasn't expecting you to bring up a pet. I don't know why I thought about that, but that would be, that would be just really, really tough. Yeah. Like just waiting. Yeah. Anyway, in 1981, as you had said before, Bill did remarry a woman named Pauline. Run, Pauline. <laughs> I know, right? Literally get out of there. <laughs> but their marriage didn't last long. Oh, shocker. Pauline was a sweetheart. Pauline was a peach. She was great to the kids. They got along well, and the kids really liked her and just, like, trusted her. Oh. And in 1984, the children trusted Pauline so much that they actually told Pauline about the abuse that they had been suffering and about the abuse that they had suffered before they moved to Rhode Island. Oh, so they told her about, like, the physical and the sexual abuse? I mean, yeah, I'm assuming. (gasps) I think they just told her everything. (sighs) That's so hard. Yeah, and she said it was hard. Like, she said the kids were terrified. One of them, the... Bill had told one of them that he would kill the other if they ever said anything. Oh, so, so that they, was his tactic to keep them quiet? Uh-huh. And they were just... The, both the kids were really scared. And Pauline was just horrified. She was appalled, disgusted, sickened, just as Marlene had been. She was like, Bill is foul. And she confronted him about this. And he actually said this time that he would stop which is that disgusting. Yeah. But, so, I don't know if Pauline at that point was willing to give him another chance, but the abuse just started again. I'm not sure how she really knew, but she realized that he was just not gonna stop. He wasn't gonna stop for good. I don't know why it pisses me off so bad that he said, I'll stop. Like, I don't know, honestly, what else was he going to say, but for some reason, that just angers me so much that he just so casually, oh, I'll stop. 
Yeah, it just seems like there was no caring. It was like a, when some when your spouse tells you to stop doing something <laughs> gross, and he's just like, "Okay, sorry, babe." Yeah, like he's acting like it's just a bad habit. Like I you're seriously—that's criminal. Like doing bro. the most sickening thing a father could do. What do you mean? Just I'll stop. Like no, you'll go to jail. You'll go to prison. Yeah, you'll go get therapy. That's what you'll do. <sighs> I'm pissed. However, Pauline knew that he wasn't going to stop, and she did go to the police. (gasps) Whoa, good for her. Yeah, like, no warning. She just went. She was disgusted. She knew he was vile and despicable, and she was just over it. She understood the assignment. Yeah, she really did. And a couple days after she reported the abuse, Bill confronted Lalana. She was only eight years old, and he, he pulled a gun on her. And said that she better keep her mouth shut. On an eight-year-old. An eight-year-old. Your eight-year-old daughter. Yeah. Like, what kind of person? Who does that? (sighs) He was finally arrested in 1985. And he was given a 15-year sentence. However, he only served 10 years because he got off for good behavior. Like, I don't... He shouldn't even (laughs) be able to, but... I feel like if you get charged of... Like, any sort of sex crime, any sort of devious crime like that, you shouldn't get the option to get out early on good behavior, but okay. Yeah, I agree, but... Maybe I'm being harsh, I don't know. I'm just so mad at him. I hate him. (laughs) He was released in 1996, but then he was transported back to Kentucky because he had, like, Kentucky charges for assault. But there wasn't enough evidence at that point because of the statute of limitations. But two more boys had come forward and also said that Bill had sexually assaulted them. I'm not sure, like, how or any details about that, and I really don't want to know. But when Bill had been convicted in 1985, his two kids went and lived with Marlene's mother, Lorraine, who lived in Kentucky. And Lorraine and her husband were just able to raise the kids in a safe environment and like keep them from their dad which I'm sure was great and she said that the kids like finally started to have a normal life and flourish oh good yeah Lalana grew up and she obviously became curious about her mother's disappearance because she had heard I'm assuming from her father that her mom had just run away and had like left the family she was only four when her mom left so When she got older, she really, like, wanted to know the details, and she started digging into her mom's case and reading old newspaper articles and stuff like that, and she talked to her grandma about what had happened, and her grandma had said that they, the family, kind of believed that Bill had killed Marlene just based on all the evidence and stuff, Mm -hmm. and... Lorraine, the grandma, said that she didn't have any direct evidence. They just knew that Marlene wouldn't have left, so something bad had to have happened. And who else would have done it except Bill? Right. Eventually, Lalana decided to say something to her dad about her mom's disappearance and just, like, flat out confront him. (gasps) That's so brave, considering he held a gun to her at age eight. Yeah. And I... I would never want to be around him again, like, after he was convicted for what he had done. But she did confront him, and she just said, like, I think she basically said, I know you did it, but can you please tell me where you buried her body? 
And Bill just said, if you think I'm going to tell you where your mother is buried, you're crazy. <gasps> Ew. He made... Like, <sighs> basically just saying he did it. It's like every single time I he gets more despicable because as the story goes on. no remorse. None whatsoever. You can just tell. It's so... Like... Sickening. Your constant abuse of the kids, you never cared about them. And you still don't even care enough to give Marlene the peace to know that. It's just, how shitty of a person can you be? Right. Lilana tried to just, like, get more information from her dad, but he was just not going to say anything. So she just realized that she was going to have to continue investigating this on her own. And she didn't really know a whole lot about true crime, but she started watching true crime documentaries and shows and stuff like that, and just picking up information that she could get from true crime docs and TV, which is always a great place to start. Everyone's first start. Everyone's first sprinkle into true crime. I know, right? By the time that she was 20 years old, the police department actually allowed her to access her mom's file. And so she started interviewing people and was just doing more digging, trying to learn more. She was also given access to her mom's diary and sadly had to read the disgusting details that her mom put in the diary about their dad's abuse. And... She kind of just, like, was piecing it all together, and she read that Marlene had written, He tried to hide what they were doing, but I know what I saw. I guess I died inside. I think I just died inside after reading that. That just... Oh, my God. That just hurt me so bad. Like, imagining a mother's pain seeing that going on, it really would take a small piece of you, like, forever. Yeah. It's really hard to know that, that that's what she was thinking after and, you know, just knowing that she passed away. It's really sad. Marlene had also found out in the marriage about Bill's prior conviction in 1975 for molesting two boys. I believe you mentioned that in episode one. Yeah, I didn't have more information on that. There really isn't a lot of info on that. It just says, like... You know, it happened, and somehow she found out about it. I just wonder where Bill was at in the community where he had access to have relationships with younger people numerous times, because this happened, and then it happened when he remarried. So I just wonder, like, is it through your auto shop? I don't know, but either way, it just proves, like, there's no getting better with this person. He always was... Yeah, like, he's clearly a predator. Like, it's not a... Always an abuser, always a predator. He has no remorse and, yeah. Yeah. And Marlene's diary indicated that she was, like, using all this information that she was gathering. She was going to use it in the upcoming divorce against Bill. Lalana also discovered that there had been the skull. Because she started looking for unidentified female remains that had been found that could match her mother, and clearly it wasn't long until she found that the skull with the bullet hole had been found, and it was pretty close to her old home in Kentucky. So she really wanted to look into that because it seemed like a great lead. And in 2001, she submitted a sample of her DNA, hoping that a mitochondrial DNA test could be done on the skull. Obviously, 
she wants to know. Yeah. But the mitochondrial DNA test was super freaking expensive. It would be able to tell... It wouldn't be able to tell, like, specifically whose DNA it was, but it would be able to tell if it was a match through the mother's lineage. So they would obviously be able to tell if it was Marlene's, if it matched Lalana's. Yeah. But it was $20,000. And that's $20,000? I was just going to say that. In 2001... I'm totally guessing with no facts behind this, but I imagine that would be 50000 or something today. Yeah. I mean, even 20000 today, that is just extreme. And at least today you could make a GoFundMe or something back then. Yeah, that could be a year of college. Damn. A lot, a lot, a lot. And the county did not want to pay it because, I mean, I don't blame them. Like, I don't know what their funds are like, but it's Kentucky. I'm assuming they don't have a lot of quiche. And that is a lot of quiche to spend. And then when I talked about episode one in Verona at the time in 1980, there was about 500 people in town. Uh So I don't even think that they probably had the means for that. Yeah, I'm sure they don't have like 20K in their budget. So, sadly, the county said that they could not do the test. But Marlene's family, like, they are so determined they weren't going to give up. Marlene's sister was so dedicated that she was actually ready to use her retirement fund to pay for the test. Oh. Mm-hmm. But, luckily, I'm not sure if the they were putting pressure on the county, but the county agreed that they would pay for the test. Whoa, I thought for sure the family was going to do something crazy and like I know, I thought that they were going to fundraise, but thank God the county agreed that they would pay for the test. And when it was finally tested, it did turn out that Lalana and the skull belonged to the same maternal lineage and that they were related. Whoa. Thus, they could positively identify the skull as belonging to Marlene. And Lalana knew that she was finally going to get justice for her mom. Why? Like, not trying to be rude, because I know this isn't necessarily the police's job, but were they just going to wait for Marlene's family to ask them to test it? I was kind of thinking that, but... If they said they had their suspicions that they knew it was Marlene, what were you waiting for then to test it? Yeah. We're not going to say anything about that. Okay. I don't know. In 2001, Bill's dad, James, he actually came forward to the police and said that when Bill had been in prison in 1996, he had actually confessed to the murder of Marlene. And Bill's dad, James, said he was just, like, completely disgusted. Could you have been disgusted enough to tell the police? I mean, it's only, it's like five years after. It's not a whole long time, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that's tough. Like, Your son's already in prison. And James had actually said that he disowned his son when he went to prison for the abuse. So I'm not even sure if they were, like, that close. I don't know if he thought maybe he was not being sure. Who knows? But he did come forward eventually, so at least he came forward in general. That is true. Sadly, the prison didn't record their phone calls at that time, so they didn't, like, have that statement or anything. But 
Bill's dad, James, like, said he would still help if the police needed it, and so the police thought that maybe if they tapped his phone and had James call his son Bill in prison and tap the phone, they would get him to be able to say something. James actually came up with a nice little cover story, and he said that he was going to tell Bill that he was dying of, like, a disease and he didn't have a lot of time left, even though that was not true, obviously. And when he called, he really didn't get a whole lot out of Bill. Bill was pretty evasive about questions about Marlene. He actually said, why do I get the feeling that someone is trying to set me up? So he was kind of like on to his dad. Damn. But his dad said, you've told me. Don't you remember you admitted to the murder of Marlene? And Bill just said, at that time I was in jail and I was pretty upset. So, they said that he said some things that were kind of, like, incriminating, but nothing substantial. But, just with the skull actually matching Marlene, Bill was arrested for her murder in July 2001, and he was sent back. He was extradited to Kentucky. Hell yeah. Bill was read his Miranda rights, and he said he understood them and stuff, but he just continued to talk, and Bill just kind of told police like what happened he really didn't put much of a fight up he said that on the night of october 11th 1980 him and marlene had gotten into a fight when they were inside her ford pinto he said that marlene pulled a gun on him and they fought and he took the gun away and he just freaked out and started shooting her until the gun was empty when he came to his senses he realized that he had killed marlene and so He took the kids to the neighbors and decided to dispose of the evidence. He took the body, dismembered it, and then he dumped it in the sinkhole, covered it with dirt and, like, other stuff, and then he tossed the gun in a pond, and he pushed the Ford Pinto into the Ohio River. Wow. I'm surprised that no one ever found it. Yeah, and they actually looked afterwards for the Pinto with a airplane, and they couldn't find it. Police couldn't find it. But, I mean, the Ohio River, I'm sure it's, like, really big, so. He, Bill said that he had zero remorse for what he did. He's foul. And he drew them a map to show, like, where everything was, but they, I don't think they found the gun or any of her remains. I don't think they really found, like, anything. Wow. So, like, are you even being honest? Yeah, who really knows? Bill's case finally went to trial in July 2003 when he was 59 years old. At that point, he was in a wheelchair due to a stroke that he suffered in 1995, and his defense was that when he made the statements of his guilt, he was delusional due to the stroke. (laughs) They said that the stroke affected his memory. No comment. He did try to actually, like, get out of trial because of his poor health, but the judge was not having it, so... The trial continued. The kids did testify in the trial, and Donald talked about the sexual abuse that he suffered and how he had witnessed his parents fight regarding the abuse that occurred. Donald said that when their mom disappeared, Bill had told them that Marlene was a prostitute and had a drug problem. Like, who even says that? They're kids, but... You're telling your kids, like, LaLana was probably... Four. She was four. Like, she doesn't even need to know, even if that were true, what that is. Yeah. 
and knowing that you just killed her to say all that, like, what the, what is wrong with you? Yeah, he's just really something else. Lomana also discussed the abuse that she suffered and talked about the arguments that she witnessed her parents have. Um, Bill's dad testified and talked about just this, how he had, like, disowned his son hearing about the child abuse. And he actually talked about how Bill had had a third marriage and he had lied to this third wife saying that he was in, he was behind bars for armed robbery. So he's just always kind of manipulating. Yeah. The jury deliberated for 43 minutes before finding him guilty. 43 minutes. Yeah. But I'll just say this right off the bat. His conviction was overturned. Because there were honestly a good amount of just misconduct from the prosecution. Not in a bad way, just there were a good amount of evidence and stuff that was admitted that shouldn't have been. Particularly stuff about the sexual abuse because he had never been convicted of anything that had happened in Kentucky. They really weren't supposed to talk about that and bring that in because it's just more prejudicial than it was helpful. So his appeal was sadly... I mean, his conviction was sadly overturned, but when he was retried, he was convicted yet again. Yay. So, didn't, yeah, didn't get that far. Uh, afterwards, the family final, finally was able to start healing. Marlene's parents passed away. Her father passed away in 2013 and her mother, Lorraine, in 2021, and they were both buried next to Marlene. So it is nice that they were able to get closure for their daughter before they passed away. The kids have both tried to move on with their life, and they really have just tried to put everything behind them and keep low profiles. So I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to go into further details about them because I respect their need for wanting to remain private. Yeah, I hope Lilana is, like, a freaking private detective out there. I know, right? Like... Just so much love for her. It's just so sad that Marlene died to protect her kids, but it's also nice that her kids, Lalana wasn't giving up. They really brought the case to justice. It's kind of like as sad as it is, full circle. If there was anyone who was going to get justice for Marlene, it was going to be her kids. And it's kind of sad, like Marlene was killed because of the abuse on her kids, and then her kids were the ones that helped to solve the case. So it really is full circle and just a sad, sad. yeah, such a sad story, a tragedy that was literally pointless. You didn't need to do that. You could have let her take the kids and leave. You clearly didn't care about them, but I'm still really glad that the kids were able to get justice for their mom. And I hope they're healing out there after all that abuse. Like same. I really hope so too. But we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thanks for sticking with us for over a hundred episodes. We hope you guys like this little hundredth episode special. Yeah, let us know if you want Jackie and I to do more stories where we're telling them together. If you want us to do more two-parters where one of us tells half and the other tells the other, definitely let us know when we can do that. And also let us know if you guys saw this one on Forensic Files or Cold Case Files. Yes, let us know. And as always, if you don't follow us on Instagram, come follow us at Ooh, That's Creepy. And we will see you guys next time for another episode.
Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.